top five stories 2020. Jeffco this year. I'm Stuart McMillan, KJF News. A 27-year-old homicide of a liquor store owner in Arnold was finally solved in September for our number five story of the year. Back in 1993, police were looking for a man who may have overheard Steve Weltig, owner of the then Ajax liquor store in Arnold, talk about his fear of being robbed on the eve of his own murder. Frank Schillinger, who worked at a nearby muffler shop, told police to be looking for a man who had been browsing the store the day before and overheard he and Weltig discuss a recent news report of a store holdup. Schillinger recalled Steve saying, somebody could come in here, shoot me, and never get caught. They also talked about when Weltig opened and closed and when he took his money to the bank. He was found shot in the head the next day. It wasn't until 2015 when Arnold police say a good lead led them to the suspect. He was interviewed numerous times over the last five years. However, it wasn't until mid-September when 68-year-old Laurel Harp of St. Louis confessed to the 1993 killing of 40-year-old Stephen Weltig. Number four, top story. A red wave covered Jefferson County in the November general election in 2020. Every Republican won their race in Jeffco, including statewide races and President Trump. Republicans took complete command of Jefferson County and most of the state with wins in offices of governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, most of the U.S. House seats, including all three that touched Jefferson County, and Wagner in the north, Jason Smith to the south, and Blaine Lukemeyer in the midsection. Only three of the 16 local races in Jefferson County had Democrat challengers. That means most races were won in the August primary, and they were all state rep seats. With Jeffco, a historically Democrat county, this is unprecedented, a big buzzword for 2020. In District 111, incumbent Republican Shane Roden of Cedar Hill won big with 71% of the vote over Democrats' Vern Cherry. Incumbent Republican Dan Schall of Imperial pulled away, winning handily with 63% of the vote over opponent Democrat Terry Burgess in District 113. This will be the final term for both Roden and Shaw. Cindy Buckeye Corkway of Festus won her first ever elected position, defeating her Democrat opponent Cynthia Nugent by 73% across three county lines in District 115. She had more votes than Nugent in each county in the district. Jefferson, St. Francis, and St. Jen. 115 is Lane Gannon's old house seat. She became a state senator election night, having no opponent. Thirteen other races had Republicans winning their elections with no opponents, Democrat or otherwise, including Sheriff Dave Marshak, Judge Daryl Missy, Renee Reuter, Charles Grodeke, and Dan Stallman in county council races. Nationally, no party declared victory for the highest office in the land that night. But meanwhile, in Jefferson County, it was clear who they wanted in the White House. President Donald Trump won here with 66% of the vote. And an interesting side note, whoever Jeffco picks usually ends up in the White House, with the exception of 2000 and now 2020 with Joe Biden winning. The county chose Bill Clinton twice, Gore in 2000, Bush in 04, Obama twice, and now Trump twice. Protests of the death of George Floyd came to Jefferson County in June and is our top three story of the year. Floyd was the man who died on May 25th after being handcuffed and pinned to the ground by a police officer's knee. The Festus Library parking lot had been quiet as the COVID-19 pandemic had kept the library shut down for several weeks. But Saturday, June 7th, the parking lot was filled with local peaceful protesters. The theme for the event was Uniting for Peace. You did not build these systems of injustice, but we can be the driving force to get them fixed. Those of us here, we hail from all 
backgrounds, including all age groups. You are the rainbow in our clouds as we march through these violent outbreaks and disturbances toward equality. You give us hope, young people. You give us hope. We are the light of the world. Let your light continue to shine. It was hot. The marquee sign outside the library read 100 degrees at one point during the protest. Many were holding signs, marching in a circle around the parking lot, chanting the names of those who've recently died, either by police or gun violence. Some of the signs just said, Black Lives Matter. Others had Bible verses, but probably the most important sign was, I am listening. The event was mutual with the Festus and Crystal City police and city officials, with all the organizers being from Festus. The proof? A photo op just before the event and a joint press release issued by both cities and organizers. Festus protesters didn't bring out the defund the police crowd. It's also important to emphasize that federal, state, and local laws also require us to respect and comply with all those who serve to protect our communities. Our brothers and sisters in law enforcement risk their lives every day to maintain law and order. Police officers who truly protect and serve our communities are the very definition of love and action. On behalf of our community, we thank, embrace, and love our law enforcement officers who truly serve and protect. Three times during the event, protesters kneeled for eight minutes and 46 seconds, the amount of time the police officer in Minneapolis kept that knee on George Floyd. About 200 Festus protesters stayed completely peaceful, and the fear of violence or rioting was completely unfounded. Protests also occurred in Arnold and Fenton that week. In Arnold, one occurred in the city park, completely peaceful, folks holding signs on Jeffco Boulevard. Cars were honking, people waving. There was another outside Fox schools later in the week, marching along Jeffco Boulevard. No issues there either. Sheriff Dave Marshak, Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, says there was an arrest made, however, in the Fenton protest outside Sabre Corporation around the same time. We had some counter-protesters show up at one of the events, and... Um and there was, you know, verbal dispute back and forth. I think where a couple of them challenged each other to a fight, and a deputy had uh, intervened and then was jumped on and uh, subsequently made an arrest and transported down to the jail. Uh, I believe the prosecutor acted quickly and already issued summonses on that. He says 100 deputies were on patrol to respond if needed. Sheriff Marshak took a stance on chokeholds. He says it's only used as a last resort tactic during lethal force encounters. You know, it might surprise people that the sheriff's office responded to almost 65,000 calls for service last year. And of those more than 65,000 calls, you know, we've only used force 40 times. Now, a use of force uh, for our purposes is any time that a police officer, you know, would maybe throw somebody down to the ground, take them to the ground where there might be some injury. Maybe there's a laceration on the chin or the face. So that constitutes a use of force. And from that all the way up to, you know, lethal encounters where the officer uses his firearm. And that was 40 times. Those numbers he mentioned there were from 2019. Our number two story for 2020 was a tragic one. Our first arriving units were there within about four minutes, and the entire front of the structure was fully involved. A four-alarm fire claimed the lives of four family members on Sunday, October 11th. Chief Tom Fitzgerald of the DeSoto Rural Fire Protection District says it happened on Vineland Road. We had the main fire knocked down in about 25 or 30 minutes. 
It was an older home, fairly large home. We were on scene for several hours, taking care of hot spots, making sure structural stability, and then removing the victims. 76-year-old Joe Detter, his wife, 74-year-old Francis, daughter, 37-year-old Sherry, and 18-year-old granddaughter Carrie were all killed in the fire. There were survivors. Two people survived, had jumped from upper floor windows prior to our unit's arrival. The following week, the county grieving for the debtor family, signs all over DeSoto and other cities calling for prayer, local officials giving their respects. Joe Detter served as the building inspector for the city of Hillsborough and was a fixture in the community there and DeSoto. Hillsborough Mayor Buddy Russell says it was a difficult loss for everyone. My thoughts and prayers for them and the first responders. Because when I got down there in the morning after the scene was pretty much done, there's tears in some of their eyes. We all knew him. I loved him. The one, my fire chief in Hillsborough, Brian Gaudet, was down there and worked the scene. He had to handle it. He knew the, he knew Joe. Uh, he was speechless. I talked to him later on in the afternoon. We both can't talk because we're in tears. It, it's just a, it was a horrible thing. And the family. I mean, it's we're not just talking Joe here. It's his wife, his daughter, and a granddaughter. Local attorney Steve Davis, who lives in DeSoto, knew the family well. Individually, they were just terrific, wonderful, wonderful people. Caring so much for others. Um, you know, Joe is a political life caring, but also a social volunteer. Uh, always out there uh, working to help others. Did a lot that, you know, in the community that people don't even know about because he wasn't out front necessarily taking uh, credits. Man Funeral Homes handled the services, owner Todd Mann. The Dutter family definitely has spoken the wheel of DeSoto and Jefferson County. We've lost that spoke, and, you, and what I say is you can't replace that spoke. Yes, I have been helping them plan this service to honor their memory. Wednesday, we'll start a visitation for the public at 2 o'clock until 8 and at the Hillsborough Civic Center. I thought the Hillsborough Civic Center was appropriate from the standpoint that uh, Joe was so involved in politics and also, more importantly, um, he was the building inspector for the city of Hillsborough. His daughter Sherry had worked many years in the county clerk office. The debtors were laid to rest in the Woodlawn Cemetery in DeSoto on December 15th. And the number one story of the year in Jefferson County? What else? COVID-19 and Jeffco. The virus that changed our lives didn't dominate our newscast here at KJF until early March. It was barely on the radar before that. We had one story on January 28th about a patient under investigation in Missouri for the coronavirus. Well, there were only five confirmed cases in the whole United States. Our story at the time said this virus causes symptoms similar to the flu and originated in China. In our news on February 17th, as the virus was ravaging China, we were asking questions like, will it affect the world economy? Ben Heft with Fortune Investments in Festus was hopeful that it would be a short-term thing. And it did slow things down in China. Obviously, a couple of their major cities were on quarantine, so people couldn't go to work. They couldn't make the stuff that you know we buy here in the United States. So it, it does. It's gonna. It slowed down manufacturing for a couple of weeks, and China's starting to get back online this week. So time will tell to see really what it does to the economy. But I don't. I think you're right. I think it's gonna be a short-term blip. A year from now, we're not even gonna remember coronavirus. I hope. Whoops. About three weeks later, President Donald Trump and Missouri Governor Mike Parson announced state of emergencies to respond to the virus, which 
changed names a few times. It started with Wuhan coronavirus, and then just coronavirus, and then now it's COVID-19. The first case in St. Louis happened on March 10th. March 23rd, the stay-at-home order was enacted for the state. Only essential businesses remained open, like health care facilities, grocery stores, convenience stores, restaurants, and bars, but only for pickup, curbside, carryout, takeout, and delivery. Businesses that ship or deliver groceries, food or goods, transportation services, mailing and shipping services, laundromats, hardware stores, construction entities, child care services, hotels, funeral homes, along with federal, state, and local governments. Jeffco's first case of COVID-19 was announced just after the stay-at-home order started. On April 2nd, Jefferson County suffered its first death due to the coronavirus. It was a woman in her 80s who died due to complications from COVID-19. Meanwhile, County Executive Dennis Gannon announced the day before an extension of the stay-at-home order, and only 47 total cases of the virus were reported at that time. And early on, most of the cases were from long-term care facilities. Festus Manor Care Center was hit hardest April 20th. One coronavirus-related death was reported, and 40 others had the virus. Those infected were residents and staff at the facility. The health department was able to round up enough PPEs for care workers there and other facilities. A prayer vigil was held outside Festus Manor earlier that week. The health department told organizers not to do it, but 50 cars showed up anyway and parked outside, all of them remaining in their vehicles, though. Police still said that's not going to happen again, and it didn't. Meanwhile, around the same time, protesters organized a rally at the commuter parking lot in Hillsboro along New 21. Rally goers did abide by social distancing guidelines as people remained in their vehicles. They drove past the Jefferson County Health Department and administrative building on Maple Street, honking their horns and waving signs wanting the county to reopen. Jeffco eventually did reopen on May the 4th. There were still restrictions on crowd size in stores and seating limitations in restaurants, churches too. What about masks? It was probably the biggest debate of 2020, to mask or not to mask. Most fast food places and big box stores around Jefferson County required face masks pretty early on after the stay-at-home order was lifted. The earliest adopter was Goodwill. No one was allowed to enter without a mask the day the county reopened. Many of the stores had direction arrows on the floor that no one seemed to pay much attention to, still don't. The health department became a popular dwelling place for anti-mask protesters and counter-protesters outside public meetings. In August, they passed a mask mandate, but rescinded it within 24 hours. The reason for canceling the mandate was the lack of notification to the public about the vote. Some state reps threatened lawsuits if the mandate stayed on the books. A little bit down the road, they did manage to make a joint order between the health department and county executive, Dennis Gannon, to require masks countywide for anyone 10 years old and up. It started just before Thanksgiving and remained in effect until the end of the year. It was a pandemic milestone and an early Christmas present for Jefferson County. A health care worker at Mercy Hospital Jefferson was the first person to receive the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine as it arrived to the county on Tuesday, December 15th. Light cheers from co-workers broke out as the ER nurse, 44-year-old Jennifer Holt, was injected with the first dose. Ten other hospital workers also received the vaccine that day. And a couple of weeks later, news came about the Moderna vaccine coming to Jefferson County by the end of January, where the health department will be ready for distribution. All in all, in 2020, there were 16,795 positive cases of COVID-19 in Jefferson County, 1,500 of those probable cases. 
133 COVID-related deaths were reported this year. And that's Jeffco This Year, Top 5 Stories for 2020. I'm Stuart McMillan. This is KJF News.